Hey, spoiler alert, this is a podcast where we talk about movies, so we'll be talking about movies. If you saw the title of the podcast and thought, huh, I haven't seen that movie, well, tough luck. Enjoy! questions uh from a few of the listeners just for clarification michael froling is not our editor true who, some guy named michael yeah who who asked that question Jeffrey. <laughs> we wish michael froling was our editor i wish <laughs> we have a whole studio set up <laughs> this is a studio man ah uh, yes uh, <laughs> Solid walls. My, my, the, my incredibly cluttered walls and shelves. The complete soundproofing. Hey, we have a rug. We do have a rug. And a blanket. And the blanket! I forgot about the blanket. And we have noise reduction through Audacity, and I trust that enough to okay. do an okay-ish job. Logan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing alright. Got through the first week of school. I... Haven't yet, because there are still assignments I need to do that are uh, due Sunday at midnight, and it is quaintly Friday at 10.58 p.m. Don't let them know that. (laughs) They're going to know that we don't immediately give them the shows as soon as they're ready. I am so sorry. Oopsie. Granted, there's been a long break between our first episode and this episode. Yeah, it's been a long week, you know? I guess it's like the start of school or something. It's just, this week has felt like... At least three times as long as it usually does. True, true. And, you know, we just ask our loyal listeners to 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 bear with us. Quit making fun of me for saying our loyal, loyal listeners. listeners. What? Okay, we need a fandom name. We, <laughs> I think we're already at the point where we need a fandom name so we can start referring to them like that early on. Mm-hmm. It's future proof. Let's call our uh, fan base uh, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. How's it going? I think that's great. Aw. I think that's just... The everyone's. All right. So, this week we're talking about... Okay, let me... Is it a portrait of a lady on fire? Or yes. the portrait? A portrait. A portrait of a lady on fire. Or is it just portrait? Fire? It's just portrait of it's a lady just on fire. Por- it's just portrait. Portrait of a lady on fire. Portrait. You, you asked me a trick question. I almost fell for it. Ah. I gotta lean in. We almost had it, everyone. Yes, so we're actually here together in person. <laughs> I've missed you, Hunter. Yeah. I've missed me, too. Do you miss me? I'd miss me. Was that a Joker reference? No. It was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, I've never seen that movie. We need well, to add, we need to <laughs> We need to add that to the list of I'm pretty uh, sure that's not the our spreadsheet. Name. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, not a portrait of a lady on fire, not the portrait of a lady on fire. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Keeping it simple, folks. Keeping it simple. No extra articles needed. Hunter? Yep. What did you think about this movie? I love this movie. I watched it, uh, and I I cried. I'm not afraid to admit that. It is. I watched this movie. The end scene was just brutal for me. I, I broke down. I, I I am typically a sympathy crier. I don't yeah. th- I don't think I cried watching this movie because the first time that I watched it, I watched it in two parts because I was working at the daycare during the days over break, 
and I started it one night and I fell asleep at 9 p.m. while the movie was playing. I feel bad. Do not take that as a testament to how good or bad this movie is. This is a great movie. This It's great. Amazing. I was just very tired after dealing with with three-year-olds. So, I fell asleep halfway through. But, the two halves make a whole lot of fun. (laughs) We're cutting that out. (laughs) No, we're not. I'm going to talk to Michael, make sure he keeps it in. Michael. (laughs) Michael, listen, please. I thought this movie was great. You thought it was great. But what would you give it out of 10? A 10. 10? Yeah. I, um... I'm gonna. I'm officially announcing it here. I'm gonna replace Ferris Bueller's Day Off with this movie on my top four favorites. <gasps> yeah. It's 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 on your top. Is it top three on Letterboxd? Top four. Top four. I thought it was already on there. No. It was not. No. Ferris Bueller getting the boot. I love that movie, but getting expelled. It's so hard. I thought about this for so long. It's just I can't. He cried many tears. <sighs> what 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 are your top four movies? Uh, Reservoir Dogs, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Blade Runner, and Sing Street. Okay. I'm going to mention Sing Street every episode until we mention it. Make it soon. No, just <laughs> Oh. I, I do have our movie picked out for next week. I'm not going to say it yet. That's for the end of the episode. I don't even know it. He doesn't know it. We always keep it a secret until we share it. So, we book. He gives it 10 out of 10. What do you give it? <sighs> that. What What did I give the movie last week? I don't know. Let's play the episode. Uh, I think I gave. I honestly. I honestly want to reconsider my ranking of Midsummer. Oh. I honestly do. It's too late for that. No. It's already I'm, recorded. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the internet is forever. I'm going to. I'm going to retrospectively fix it. Because I watched some other movie reviews afterwards, and it made me think of things that I haven't thought of before. And I'm going to bump it down to a 6 out of 10, from a 7.5 out of 10, I think I had it at. Okay. So, that drops its overall score. We're going we're gonna to keep, I'm going to keep a spreadsheet of a cumulative out of 20 that we've given each movie, and at at the end of the year, we're just going to add Midsummer onto this year since it was very tail end of December that we did that episode. And we're going to give you guys our top 52 movies of the year. Maybe 52. We'll see. Maybe 53. But it just depends on how busy we get throughout the year. But that will bump it down. I'm going to give Portrait of a Lady on Fire 9.8 out of 10. I want to be very sparing with my 10 out of 10s. I'm not even going to give my favorite movie of all time a 10 out of 10. Because, um, you know, I don't think any movie is perfect. That's such a bull answer. We got to do the... All right, we can sync up video and audio. Oh, there we go. Are we recording a video <laughs> version of this podcast? No, that'd be cool. True. Let's have some camera set up. Oh my god. Some gyroscope motorized cameras that <laughs> No, you could just set up two cameras on tripods and just have our faces. Hey, Michael doesn't even make minimum wage for this editing job. He doesn't make any money for this. He job. doesn't make any money. I don't it's pay slave him. labor. I don't pay him. I I I I feel bad for him. 
I feel bad for Michael. And that's why we record a couple of days before it goes out. It's like true. You know, we were gonna record this last night, but uh, some I it, was, it was somebody's somebody's bedtime. Oh, bedtime, dude! It, it was, was like, way past his bedtime. Way past my bedtime. It was like one in the morning when I went to sleep. Hunter is an old man in spirit, in spirit, in body. The, he is a the, Greek Adonis. The the guy from Up is my spirit animal. Carl Fredrickson. Yeah, really. Would you hit somebody with a cane because they damaged your mailbox? Yeah, that's a federal crime. Fair. I don't know why he got sent to jail. It's because big corporate has all the best lawyers. And I stand by that. That's what Appa's really trying to say. <laughs> For a second, I thought you said Appa. Appa. <laughs> when did we switch to Avatar? Oh my god, should we review Avatar, the last airbender of the movie? Let us know. Yeah. Email us. Hit us up on the socials, Twitter, at PrivScreenPod. I did it first try. I did I'm it first try. That is a tongue twister I'm proud of you. to the untrained tongue. You're Twitter. spitting bars right now. <laughs> so, Twitter, at PrivScreenPod. Tweet at us we, and follow us. We tweet out whenever shows are going to come out. Uh, we, 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 I do. Okay, good. I do. I did last time. The Instagram page is a bit lacking. And then email, privatescreeningpodcast at gmail.com. Send us emails, ask us questions, you know? Uh, we want to stay interacting with you guys, our everyone. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, most definitely do that. If I'm going to get scoliosis by leaning over to get good audio for you guys, <laughs> the least you can do is email us. <laughs> yeah, you can't see, but we're using one mic in between us, and we gotta we got to scooch in. It's a really good mic, though. I'm very happy with my purchase. we got to scooch way in. So, Hunter, what Dude. are some, some uh, behind-the-scenes type of stuff for this movie? Oh, uh, well, it's a French movie, in case you didn't know. If you watch the movie, if you listen to our spoiler alert you would know that it's a french film it was written and directed by celine siama it starred uh noemi merlot and adele Enel. uh cinematography was done by claire maton and it was shot in 32 days i believe and it was a cheap movie it was made for 4.86 million euros which is about what did i say six million dollars mm-hmm. yeah so real cheap for a movie made in 2019 it took 32 days to record that movie? Yeah, that's pretty standard. Pretty standard? Actually, that's pretty quick, actually. I was about to say. Yeah. Not, that seems very quick. It takes about 60 days. To be honest, I I don't think that the recording process needed to be anything overly dramatic for this movie. Nor should it ever be for a standard romance. But this is no standard romance movie. Don't get me wrong, It's folks. a good romance. It is! It is! Hey, romance is my least favorite genre, and I just made this movie one of my top four. That's how good this movie is. It's realistic, and that's what I love that's, so much about it. That Okay, that's what I wrote a whole paragraph on. The, the thing that makes this movie hurt so much to watch is how real it is and how much pain you can f- see and feel the characters in the movie having. Because there's very little dialogue for a modern movie there's there's one song that the women sing but there is no soundtrack at all so it's a very like you were saying um last night it's a very quiet movie 
And I think the director and cinematographer did such an amazing job of being able to tell a story without dialogue through different shots. But the actresses also did an incredible job of emitting emotion and telling a story without using words. Uh, you, you can count on one hand the scenes where there is music. The scene where they play the harpsichord, which has a deep callback at the end of the movie. The harpsichord scene, the scene where they're chanting, and the end of the end of the movie. At the orchestra. Count at three. The rule of three. And they did it flawlessly. Flawlessly. The fact... So, since I watched this movie in two parts the first time, I didn't realize... Like a dummy. Yes. Like a big, fat, tired dummy who was working. Um... I didn't realize that the song that was playing at the end was the one that Marianne mm-hmm. played on the harpsichord. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm going to be completely honest, I was very confused on why she was crying I without did. ever seeing her. I watched the whole thing all the way through, and I was right there with her. I was like, ah, oh, crap. As soon as the song started playing, I was like, I'm going to... That scene went on way too long. This is why I watch movies more than once. That scene, that end scene... Mm-hmm. was way too long for me to not just break at some point. And they, I mean, obviously they did that on purpose, but... I mean, it showed a wide range it, of emotions because yeah. it, it showed her initially breaking, her crying... Trying to keep it in. And then her smiling while she's crying. That is mm. something else I wrote about. I'm just going to read a little bit uh, from my notes. A dramatic reading done by Hunter Brooks. What made this movie stand out to me was it had incredible elements of romance in it mm-hmm. it was a very romantic movie there were but very, for a very short period of time and there was very beautiful writing there was very obviously romantic writing oh, yeah. but as we were saying it was all completely realistic those are things that people can and probably have said to other people they're in love with and there was such a pain behind their emotions and their actions but they did such a job with showing that at just the right amount in just the right time throughout the movie and you can see so many times before they kiss they're they're staring at each other and the tension, you can you feel the tension you can feel the tension between them but you can also feel the tension within them this overflowing desire to just tell them but you know they can't and that's what's so painful is you can see that and you can feel it and something else that made it such a good romance was the ending because it brings that flood of emotion to a complete boil. You know, we see how much regret has built up over the past several years. She has a child now who's Mm -hmm. at least three years old. Oh, yeah. So it's been several years after she married the Milanese man. It it, it hits you with the one-two. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like, I saw her again for the first time. Yeah. And it... With the painting. Shows her at the art gallery. And you're like, oh... You see her walk up to the painting, and you just see in Marianne's face, it just falls. And then it hits you with the page 28. Dude, I she was holding the book, and I was like, no, it's on 28. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it was. But <laughs> I think that the painting plus her reaction to the orchestra song, you know, made the audience realize she didn't live the life she wanted, but rather she chose the life that was already given to her. You know, for whatever reason, she wasn't brave enough to follow her heart. 
because she thought that the life she was already living out was the one she was supposed to be living. Mm -hmm. She wasn't able personally to say, no, this is what I want. This is... I mean, you have to remember that she spent much time in a convent. Yeah. And so marriage is one of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. And there was no way that her and Mary, Eloise and Marianne could ever marry during that time. No. And so she saw marriage as a sacrament. Mm -hmm. It's very holy. It's a holy way to live your life. And so whenever Marianne was talking to Eloise, saying that she thought she was braver, that she wouldn't follow her heart, she was very taken aback by that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why would you stop me? I mean, you could tell that she wanted to. But also somebody telling her that living a holy way of life is the wrong way to go, especially whenever it's so laid out for her. Mm -hmm. It's just tearing Eloise mm -hmm. in two. And that's what makes it so realistic is it's not what she wanted. It wasn't the happy ending. It's not what the audience wanted. It's what happened, though. And, you know, not everybody is not everybody's going to get that fairy tale story. Oh, yeah. I'm and, and, you know, we we feel so deeply for these characters because, you know, it's not this unrealistically happy and hopeful feeling. And you don't feel hopeful for your own personal romance. It's something that reaches down into the depths of your emotions and exposes the core of your soul. You know, we feel that because they truly imitate life and all the complex emotions we can cycle through in a matter of seconds. Noemi wakes up that one morning mm -hmm. on the last morning and you can immediately see the immense grief of I'm never going to see this person again and I only have a couple of hours with oh, yeah. them. But she lays back, she just stares at Eloise and you can see her smile just a little bit and she gets up and gets ready and you know, it kind of turns from that immense grief to that immense joy that this happened. And even though it was only a few days, this will be the most important few days of my whole life mm -hmm. because I know what I truly wanted for once. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite, I think it's one of my favorite lines, but it's said twice, obviously once by each of them. They're talking about, Wanting to kiss each other. When when did they want to kiss each other first? And after they talk about that, they say, they each say something about, I wasted a lot of time. And I mean, that's a line that I'm sure not, maybe not everybody, but close to everybody could resonate with. Somebody that, I don't know, maybe it was a vacation fling or, um, heck, even meeting somebody on a dating app, and then them just blocking you after a little bit getting ghosted. You just regret not seizing the day. Carpe diem. Dead Poet Society, you know? Also, that's a great movie. <laughs> yes, you were talking about quotes. Uh, you know, I wasted a lot of time. Different stuff like that. I want to mm -hmm. share with some of my favorite quotes from this movie because, as I was saying earlier, there's incredibly romantic, not just in a love sense but in the truly the, the truest definition of romance there's a lot of romantic writing in this movie mm -hmm. and so some of my favorite lines were i've dreamt of doing that for years and marianne asks dying and eloise says running yeah um her spending all that time in the convent yeah you know you you forget just how little you can live i brought up sound of music <laughs> 
last uh, night when we were watching it. The uh, scene where they're in the kitchen and Marianne tells Eloise that she'll be on her own the next morning. She says, you'll be free. And Eloise asks, being free is being alone. Ugh. And after she comes back from that walk, she tells her, this I felt me. in solitude the freedom you spoke of, but I also felt your absence. And you could tell, just without any dialogue, exactly what these... I want to say props to these act- actors. It's not politically correct to say actresses anymore, but I, I'm still tempted to say it almost every time. The average koala sleeps 22 hours each day. What the heck? That's... No. Uh... I'm I would hate now to be resonate. A I, I, I my, my spirit animal is now a koala. Let me keep that in. <laughs> uh, Hunter read the top of a Snapple cap and uh, zero sugar. Still all the regret. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to talk about that one scene. Is the cinematography for that the the camera angle for that was beautiful because you could see Marianne looking off camera. And you can see Eloise behind her looking at her, and you can see both of their reactions to what Eloise said. Well, okay, for us, not really at the same time, because it has Marianne's turned toward Eloise. So it, it's a shot of the back of her head for a time while Marianne said, I felt your absence. After she says it, Marianne turns her head, back is faded, or kind of like blurred. So all the focus, all the focus is on Marianne's face and just the, oh God, what are these feelings type face that if I don't make that face, I certainly know that feeling due to circumstances. Uh, and she, <laughs> she walks off and it goes back to Eloise's face and it just, it kind of falters and kind of falls. Mm-hmm. You can tell that she didn't get the reaction that yeah. she really wanted. And, God, this movie is absolutely beautiful. I loved the cinematography so much. It let people walk where they couldn't be seen into frame. And I don't think I've ever noticed it in a movie until now. Just because there's no backing track. Mm-hmm. And there, there's footsteps. There's nothing. You hear the footsteps. It's very pronounced. Oh, yeah. With their heavy shoes... Wooden floors. Wooden floors, old-timey wooden floors, dresses scraping the ground. You hear everything, and I absolutely love it. I love it so much. I also love the, um, you can hear every brushstroke. Oh, yeah. It's very intentional. Just how much the ambient sound is raised. Uh, Oh, I wanted to share my favorite line of this whole movie. Share it. Let's hear it. When they are finally fully truthful with each other and they're sharing each other favorite line in the whole movie you dreamt of me no i thought of you yeah you pointed this out last night and i didn't realize how profound of a line it was until after you went ah yeah (laughs) because it really got to thinking like normally you'd want to be somebody's dream but when you're all they think about when they make that conscious decision to keep you in their mind after they've woken up. Ah. Hunter's a big old softie. I'm a big old thing. I am too. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that line is just so profound. And it, it probably goes over a lot of people's heads. Like it, mine, a it, simpleton. 
the first time I heard that, I got chills down my whole back. I was like, I've never Cause it, thought of it that way. It's it's not it's not your typical romance movie trope, because you it's like I've dreamed of you ever since, yeah. or um, you've been in my dreams, or I could have only dreamt right. of you. And that's part of it is you think that's going to be the next line is like every night or. You know, I stay awake at night dreaming of you. No. She's just flat out... She she just flat out rejects that statement first before even saying the next part. She says, no, I thought of you. It's incredible. And I, <clears throat> I think something needs to be said about how early... I don't want to say their attraction to each other was, but definitely just something different. According to Mrs. Potts, there may be something there that wasn't there before. <laughs> um, like, whenever, during the harpsichord scene. Because this is really early in the movie. Like, A, Eloise doesn't even know she's a painter yet. Um, they've only gone out a couple times. Marianne hasn't finished the painting yet. And, hmm? The first one. The first one. And she sits there playing the harpsichord with Eloise beside her and you just look at Eloise's face and how she's looking at Marianne yeah. and it's subtle things like that and it's not even the subtlety but just how well these actors portray it you feel mm -hmm. you feel the want I was very surprised whenever they were sharing whenever they first wanted to kiss each other. I'm surprised they didn't say at the harpsichord bench. Because that is really the first time that anybody could have, like, even realized that this was a romance mm -hmm. movie if they hadn't read a description of it or anything. I didn't. I went, I went into it blindly. I, I'll be honest. I saw this trailer. I'm like, this is definitely a romance. I, I, I never even I watched like, the trailer. Y'all are going to fall in love. I can just tell. It but that's part of what... I was saying earlier is the direction of being able to tell a story without dialogue was done so well in this movie. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, the tension, sexual and emotional tension, was just palpable throughout the whole movie. And I just, I don't think this movie can get enough props for that. On the directing side, the acting side, just everything was focused on the acting. There was really no fluff. Cinematography was pretty basic. Yeah. And I thought it served its purpose well. <sighs> this is a good movie. Maybe I'll give it a 9.9 .9 after this podcast. Also, the blending of all the different art departments was incredible because it it's all so subtle, but also in your face at the same time. Like the lighting, it's always it's so it's bright. about painting. It's it's bright. There's sunlight, and even in the scenes where it's darker, even though they use a lot of candlelight as actual lighting in the set, you can. I mean, it's very well done. Uh, I couldn't tell if there were lighting rigs set up, yeah, because it seemed so well edited with the lighting and the sound as we were saying did the, the ambient sound as well as the dialogue it was very intentional the levels of 
the ambient sounds that were being done to also tell the story while no one was talking. And uh, you said something about uh, the colors of the movie, the vibrancy of the visual mm-hmm. aspect of the movie just in itself. Especially, especially the costumes. The costumes were so, so bright. I may say excessively bright for the time period, but I mean, obviously, I don't care that much. <laughs> it was so bright. Marianne's dress, the same dress she wears throughout basically the whole movie, the just bright, vibrant red. And Eloise's green emerald dress, it just really stood out. I'm, I'm uh... actually looking up color theory. <laughs> I, uh, the blues that she wore otherwise while not being painted, mm-hmm. she had a very, everyone had very limited color palette for their costumes. Mm-hmm. And you could see, uh, Eloise and her mother both wore blue, mm-hmm. uh, unless Eloise was being painted, which she wore green. Logan, why don't you tell us about colors? All right. So green, very down to earth color, it says on this website, which Makes sense. She did, they were forcing her to be painted while wearing this dress. Um, And so they wanted her to stay. Uh, It also represents new beginnings and growth. Wow. Amazing. That's what I thought. We love color theory. But down to earth, new beginnings, growth. There was a lot of room to grow. And she grew from whenever she first started posing like halfway through the movie and you can see just an immense change in Eloise's character she was very sad about the situation she was being forced into and then as she got closer to Marianne just the immense growth between whenever she first starts posing halfway through the film to where it's like the night before she has to leave and they're posing and she's posing she's smiling at Marianne and oh one another one of my favorite lines is um the first time that I got to see you smile and Eloise said you took your time being funny mm-hmm. <laughs> that <laughs> that killed me that killed me i loved it so so much but there's so much growth throughout this movie i love Love, love, good, natural character growth. And that, and Eloise's growth throughout the movie is the purest form of character growth that I've seen in a movie that I can just think of off the top of my head. It's so pure, so believable, because so many songs nowadays are like, I'm going to find somebody that's going to change me. Eloise found that somebody that changed her fundamentally, and she never lets it go even to the end of the movie where she's sitting thinking about her at the orchestra and even though she's very sad you can through her smiling you can still see that she's happy to have ever had her in her life and that is true true change yeah she had that moment in in her life that she'll always be able to look back on and even though she may not have made the right decisions or she might regret where she is now. She always has that one moment in time where she knew herself and knew what it was to be happy. 
Definitely. Oh, such a great movie. Hold on. Let's see. What other colors were worn? Blue? Is that blue? Blue. It's associated with sadness. I mean, that seems pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> um, Which I thoroughly enjoyed that she didn't wear the green dress until later in the movie because she started wearing blue mm-hmm. when she was angry, when she was upset, when she was pretty much grieving herself. Not even her sister. She wasn't able to grieve her sister because she had to grieve herself because her life was taken away too. Oh, yeah. But she moves to this green dress when she agrees to pose and it's new beginnings, growth. Oh, yeah. And her mom. Exploration. Yeah. And her mom was forced into the same situation. She wore blue the entire movie. Mm -hmm. She wore blue the entire movie. Do you remember what color her dress was in the painting? Blue. It was blue? Bulks. (laughs) color color okay (laughs) virgin mary she's not a virgin she has a child sorry royalty's purple none of them were purple i don't think no marianne wore red which very popularly is associated with love and passion red is a very hot color nope it's a very hot color nope Mm, yeah hunter Nope. <laughs> Just let it happen, Hunter. No. <laughs> um. Also, violence. I don't think Mar. I don't think Marianne's violent. No, I think you know it's a very passionate color. It's very obviously associated with love. You know, you see hearts are red and red roses, and it's a very emotion-inducing color. Yes, and I think that goes for her as well as the characters around her. I mean, obviously, Eloise, she comes into that love and that passion through Marianne. It also says in Eastern cultures, I don't think France is an Eastern culture, but uh, brides wear it on their wedding day and communism. (laughs) Marianne just wanted to share the love. Oh boy, I crack jokes. All right, <laughs> I crack jokes. <laughs> Snort one of the podcasts. Oh boy. All right. So we talked about costumes. We talked about the sound. Hunter, do you think that there, if you could change anything about the movie, I know you gave it a ten out of ten, so I think I can predict the answer. Would you change anything about this movie? I think I would change Marianne's hallucinations. That ah, kind of struck that is, me as we, odd. We haven't even talked about that. It struck me as a little odd, and I get why it happened, uh, but it seemed a little out of place for the movie. Mm-hmm. I personally would not have chosen to do that. What What did the hallucination symbolize to you? It was... I thought it was Eloise in a, in a wedding dress, and I thought it was this life that Eloise was going to have without Marianne and you know she saw it in the dark and she's like this this is what's going to happen and I think that's a huge weight on her shoulders and that kind of you know comes full circle when she's leaving and Eloise is behind her and tells her to turn around basically like they were talking about in the Orpheus and Eurydice uh, tale you know Mm -hmm. she was saying maybe the last the last word she said Maybe Eurydice was the one that told Orpheus to turn around. She turns around and she sees 
their lives are over, basically, because she's closing the door. And I don't know if that's another hallucination or if that's actually Eloise, because that would have been a quick costume change. Costume change. That would have been a quick change into a wedding dress that probably wouldn't be oh, on the island. Oh, definitely not. So it looked like another apparition, another hallucination. And when she closes that door, she's closing that part of her life. So I, I get why it happened. It just seemed... Uh, I think it could have been... I think they could have made it feel a less supernatural, if that makes sense. It kind of felt like there's a, a She ghost. felt very very ghostly. Eloise yeah. is a very pale, pale individual. Uh, paled with the white dress. Do you think, since we're talking about color theory, do you think that instead of it being explicitly a wedding gown, it just means Eloise in her purity, in her purest form, just that pure... In, in Marianne's mind, that pure sense of hope for the future, this thing that she's never felt before, because they were talking about, have you ever felt love? And Marianne said, the answer was yes. And like, I was looking at it. And so that just pure thought of Eloise just behind her, and she's never going to get to go back. Because she never turns around to walk towards it. She always keeps walking forward, even after looking at it. So she she keeps moving forward, even though that's still behind her. Mm-hmm. Does that change how you feel about it? I don't know, because I, like I said, I understand why it's in the movie, and I understand what they were trying to convey with that. I just personally felt it was slightly out of place. Like, there was some stranger parts in the movie and there were you know different things going on but it just felt a little too supernatural yeah i definitely i definitely agree that it was i don't want to say a nice touch it was a needed it it a needed maybe addition to even enhance the realism execution could have been a little better maybe with a higher budget who knows but i definitely six million dollars i mean I don't know how far that goes in the movie industry, but all all the blockbuster films nowadays. Not far. Yeah. So they didn't have teams of special effects artists to like make this work. So maybe that kind of added to the just maybe, I don't want to say cheesiness of it, but it kind of looked a little cheesy. <laughs> uh, just how abrupt, abruptly it was thrown into scenes. Mm-hmm. Just for reference on the budget, because $6 million, just to, you know, bring home that that does not cover a whole lot in Hollywood. Well, the, this isn't even Hollywood. It is in Hollywood. This, this is... But still, yeah. Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino was made for $8.5 million. How long ago was that? Uh, is that adjusting for inflation? 1994. Is that adjusting for inflation? Do you know? I mean, barely. I mean... Barely. It's at one point. Seven six dollars. Oh, okay. to every dollar. Oh yeah. Pulp Fiction was made for. I mean, that more almost... money than this movie was made for. Oh yeah. I mean, and that went to that went to cast a lot, and that went to yeah effects. But still, it's it's a good movie. But I think they did a good job of making it look a little basic in its special effects. But my point is, six million dollars in two thousand nineteen. Oh yeah. Not a lot of money to make a movie. No. Of course. They did, they did save money. You were talking about how with it not having a soundtrack, that saved a lot of money. 
and I definitely agree. Small cast. Small cast. They wore the same clothes for um, basically the entire movie. One set. One set. Well, kind of. Boat. I mean, if they they shot on an island, yeah. obviously. So if they did get any kind of studio for the interior, that I mean, a lot of stuff was shot outside. I did not research if they did have a set or if they used a house, a real house. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of location shooting. 38-day shoot. So 32. It was 38. It was 38. You yeah. lied to me. I was wrong. He lied. But still, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a short time to shoot. True. Nevertheless, how long did it take Avengers to get, the, any of the Avengers movies to get shot? Those are like the modern day blockbusters that you mm-hmm. think of whenever you say like blockbuster movies. That's another thing. MCU. Special effects. Oh, yeah. It didn't take long to shoot Avengers. It took, you know, a year to edit it. Oh, yeah. At least. Fair. I mean, because they were done, they shot uh, Endgame right after Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That came out, what, two years? Two years. So, oh, boy. no special effects, or very minimal. Mm-hmm. Very small cast. There were some one-off characters, like the ladies at the bonfire. Mm-hmm. Well, most of them were, except for that old lady that came back to give, <laughs> give the uh, servant girl, I can't remember her name, the abortion, was it, yeah, I think it was like a... I don't know. Do you think that that abortion thing served any higher purpose than being just in there? I'm just asking because yeah. What do you think it served? I think it served as a a way to bond the characters, mm-hmm. to have development without forcing it necessarily. Yeah. Uh, instead of forcing it dramatically, they mm-hmm. forced it physically, mm-hmm. which adds to how well this movie was written i think that was an a catalyst i think that was a catalyst an excellent way to bring the three women together in such a short period of time yeah because otherwise they wouldn't you know share trauma kind of kind of thing i don't know if it was traumatizing for them but yeah it's it's in that sense of you know something's very serious is going on and they they have you know things they need to attend to and take care of quickly and i think that brought them together and through them working through that uh also served as a way for them to be able to talk to each other i i feel like one of the more tragically beautiful or beautifully tragic scenes in the movie was whenever the servant girl was having that older lady Mm -hmm. give her the abortion while she was playing with the child that was on the bed it was holding on to her finger yeah it was so so deep and poetic i just thinking about it it gives me chills like i was laughing at it in the moment cracking jokes but in all seriousness i crack jokes at everything it's just who i am but (laughs) i crack jokes at everything but that doesn't take away from just how deep and serious of that scene is because they were trying the whole second act of the movie because movies tend to operate in three acts Mm -hmm. instead of two like stage shows that's why disney has such a hard time getting stage productions of their movies is because movies operate in three acts and it's hard to separate that second act into two cleanly so you'll typically find like a a Disney show, a closer is let it go, 
whenever Let It Go is really early in the movie, Let It Go's the halfway point of Frozen on Broadway. But I digress. A main part of the, I kind of want to say second act. The first act was really long, mm-hmm. like halfway through the movie. I agree with that. Second act was them working with what? I want to look up her name. Just so I don't keep saying starving girl. <laughs> we do apologize. There's no discrimination. It's just that it wasn't as prevalent in the movie. Sophie. Sophie. Did they ever say it? I don't remember. I'm sorry, Sophie. Or ac- actor who played Sophie. Um, But I feel like the first act was kind of interlaced in the second act. Because the main conflict of the second act was uh, the unwanted child. And then the third act was them having to leave after getting so close. So I feel like that was a very poetic and kind of tragic um, kind of ending, quote unquote, to the second act to take us into that led us into the third act. Because that's that is how they get so close. Working to help Sophie with her unwanted pregnancy. Deep stuff. Everything in the everything in this movie has a purpose. Everything is calculated. There's no I'm gonna say pandering. There's no filler. There's no filler. There's no like just lip service to stuff that doesn't need to be in the movie. It's all there for a reason. And I love it. It was beautifully and intricately crafted, and it was beautifully and intricately executed. Yes. Aw the heck with it. 9.9 9.9 out of 10. Ow. <laughs> I've convinced myself. No, Yay. <laughs> uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Hunter gave it 10 out of 10. I gave it 9.9 out of 10. So the total of this movie is 19.9. I'm the bad guy for making it not a round number. I'm so sorry. Or 1999 out of 200. So close. And yet so far, according to Tarzan. Hunter, give us your thoughts on the fire. Fire hot. Thank you very much. Cut. <laughs> no! Michael, keep that in. That was, that was comedic genius. No. Okay. I I remember when uh, I mentioned when we were watching when Marianne was scanning over the portrait of Eloise that the first painter did. Uh, that didn't have her face, but it was just the dress, and she was using the candle because it was dark to look at different parts of the painting. And at one part, she gets the candle too close to the canvas, and it lights on fire. Yep. But it's just a very isolated area that it's on fire, and when it when the camera pans out, you can see that it, the fire is right where her heart would be, and it kind of just stays there until the whole portrait is thrown into the fireplace. By Marianne. So I feel like fire, I feel like fire symbolized a lot of different things in this movie. Towards the beginning, it was, I feel like Marianne was kind of feeling like a destruction, but also a rebirth, like a phoenix. What? You're laughing at me. He's laughing at me. I'm not laughing at you. I just thought, you know how Eloise was talking about the first time she realized everything from Marianne was at the bonfire? and then her dress caught fire mm-hmm. that night, it's because she was hot for Marianne. 
Did you really think that that was so funny that you had to interrupt me? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> she got the hats for Marianne. Um, <laughs> but maybe even a rebirth. Maybe that's the bonfire. Her catching fire is her, like, phoenix out of the ashes, just realizing her feelings for Marianne. And so Marianne was also looking to fire to be their saving grace like we'll destroy this second painting that i made and i'll just paint you again and again and so time would never end but she was burning a candle at both ends no (laughs) um it was fruitless obviously because eloise still was in that mindset that she wanted to live like the holy life like, if she couldn't be in a convent, still live the way that would be a holy way in the mm-hmm. church to live. Especially since she's being forced to. Yeah, It's the life that was given to her. That's she, yeah. That's the life she's choosing because it's the path she's already on. Yeah. So, I definitely think that, especially with it being in the title, I mean, it's a big part of this movie. Oh. Such a good movie. I'm glad I gave it an extra point one points. <laughs> and I'm happy I gave it somewhere in six. Because it wasn't a bad movie. But whenever I compare it to something like this, wow. Wow. No competition. I try not to compare movies to each other. Well, they're on a list, Hunter. Our out of ten has to mean something. Well, yeah, but, you know, when I go off of a movie, I think of it critically and emotionally, and then I rate it as a piece of art by itself you know i don't compare shall i compare thee to summer's day i don't compare the moonlight sonata to a painting of water lilies by monet they're both pieces of art on in their own right and i think those are different mediums though but still i chose different mediums on purpose because i don't think the point would be given as well through the same medium but i think it still applies even if it is the same medium i think you should critique art as an expression in itself not necessarily an expression in relation to another piece of art i'm not so i will generally probably if i like a movie it will be ranked highly fair i look at it as not comparing them to each other even though that's why i just said but i feel like when we're putting them on the same plane they have to be compared to a baseline Mm -hmm. and i feel like this movie far exceeds exceeds the baseline far more than midsummer did yeah but they both definitely didn't fall below the baseline that's whenever i'd get to five or below categories five below really this show's brought to you by five below no it's not i wish Hmm? i said i started four really actually no five if I rate something five stars. It's a 50 percent. 50, 50%. The way I put it was if it's two stars or below, I didn't like the movie. If it's two and a half and I'm speaking uh out of five, sorry. If it's four stars or below, then I didn't like it. If it's five, then I didn't necessarily enjoy it like I thought I would, or I probably wouldn't rewatch it, but I understand why other people would think it's a good movie. Like, I, I understand that it has its audience, and there is definitely a place for it, but it's not for me. There are definitely a lot of shows like that, especially with, like, 
our backgrounds in being so heavily involved in theater, there are shows that I've watched or read that I would never want to go watch in person again or read ever again. But I understand the importance of it being art so much that that alone makes it, like, not bad. Like, I would say Dear Evan Hansen. It's not my favorite show. I probably wouldn't pay to go see it as opposed to anything else on Broadway. But the amount of hope that it brings people, how many depression spirals that it has ended for people because they realize that, like, they will be found. I realize that it is such an important show. And that alone makes it a good show. Maybe not in my eyes, but on a broad scale. Yeah, I, I agree Amazing. with that statement. I mean, you know, when you say something like that and comparing it to something that would rank lower than that, like, that'd be like saying you would give that five stars mm-hmm. because you know... For personal reasons. For personal I give reasons. It, I give it five stars. But, you know, below that would probably be more... Generally, this is a bad movie. Like, Emoji Movie, zero stars. It's a bad movie, and no one should watch it. You gotta give it one. James Corden's in it. Maybe you're gonna reference... um, Oh, what's what's the movie? Sing Street. Sing Street. You're gonna reference Sing Street in every episode. I'm gonna bring up James Corden, and just how prevalent he is in movies in every episode. Maybe, if I can naturally squeeze it in. But I feel like he has saturated the market so much that I won't have an issue doing so. <laughs> oh boy, you ranked it ten out of ten. I ranked it a nine out of nine, nine point nine out of ten. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a strong second pick. Thank you, Hunter. My pleasure. Next week, the movie I have chosen is Hillbilly Elegy. Okay. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it yet? Mm-mm. Have you? I have watched it one and a half times. I've I don't heard... know why I watch my movies in half increments. <laughs> I will say I've heard some extremely bad things about that movie, but I have not seen it and I've not even seen a trailer, so I honestly have no opinion of it. I say just don't even watch a trailer. Just go in it. Yeah. It is It is a movie on a memoir. It is um, kind of like... The Glass Castle. Did you have to read that in high school? Yeah, I love that book. Yeah, I had to read it in high school too. The movie too. The movie. The movie was pretty good. I'm a pretty big Woody Harrelson fan. Apparently, I don't. I don't think my dad likes him. For some reason, maybe he was in something that he didn't like, but I don't know. I like him pretty much. Um, it was a good movie. It was a very good adaptation of that book. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Hillbilly Elegy next week. It's on Netflix, and if you, if you have somehow made it to this point in the podcast and you have not watched portrait of a lady on fire it is on hulu exclusively as far as i know so please it is almost a 20 out of 20 2020 go watch the movie please for the love of god support good art when it's available i give it a thumbs up i give it a thumbs up too Go watch that movie, please. Yes, you're going to have to read subtitles. Suck it up, you big baby. Also, if you watch a foreign movie dubbed, dubbed, (laughs) stop listening to this podcast. No, we need you. We need you, our loyal listeners. Everyone. I will just say, 
subtitles sure turn people away from movies but the expression that comes from the original voice french is such a beautiful language also french is such a beautiful language but the the emotion that comes from the original voice of an actor just cannot be replaced oh yeah oh yeah i doesn't matter it doesn't matter how talented the voice actor is it just does not there's bring still that the disconnect story. there's still that disconnect i feel more connected to a movie even reading subtitles than i do if it's dubbed but for portrait of a lady on fire there are no dubbed options so you know Good. <laughs> suck it up losers <laughs> so hillbilly elegy next week keep us to it <laughs> we promise that this week won't be as long knock on wood uh that this week won't be as long as last week was um we do appreciate you listening please make sure to follow this podcast on every podcast directory that you use to listen to podcasts and even turn on push notifications yeah we're pushy we want you to come listen to us twitter at privscreenpod and our email. Email us movie suggestions that you have. Email us your thoughts on our takes of the movie, or even just your thoughts on the movie in general. We'd love to hear it. And you know what? I've been Logan. Yes, you have. And thank you guys for listening to the podcast.